Row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. Yes, it is time for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today is brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield. By Broughton's Big Country Hardware, your authorized Cub Cadet dealer in Bridport. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you on Main Street in Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway, East Montpelier Road. And Thomas Farm and Garden on the Barry Montpelier Road. In the Garden, brought to you also by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. T&R Lumber, family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. Route 15 in Walker. And the Willie's Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. Phone lines are open to talk with Peter Burke at 244-1777 or toll-free 877-291-8255. And here is your host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Paul. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm with yourself. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. You've got the double duty super garden mask on. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm really? not supposed to wear this, right? Well, I guess I, I, we, I, I can vouch that uh, Studio B, and last we looked, was virus free. Okay, but great. Again, when was the last time we looked? I can take off my mask then. Yeah, now you've been wearing a Richard Nixon mask back from an old Halloween party, but I'm told that's not appropriate either. So. Hey, Joe, we're we're back. Can you believe it? God, it seems like only last year we were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dumb flies. <laughs> oh, well, 2020, what a beginning we've had, huh? Boy. So many people are talking about the gardening now. And the, the only thing I could say that gives me any sign of anything was the one fiddlehead I could see just popping up in <laughs> my, my own backyard, you know, a cultured fiddlehead. Yeah, yeah. well, so. you're there in the banana belt. That'll probably be another three weeks before Easily. I see him in central Vermont. Easily. But that's all right. I'm going to go out and look today just to make yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so the garden as a grocery store has suddenly become a very important to all of us, right? <laughs> so if you started a garden for the first time, if you're starting a garden this year, or you want to grow more in a small space, um, listen in, call in. It's probably um, uh, probably a good time to go over garden basics again. And, uh, and if you call in with a question, Joel and I might know the answer, but the nice thing about a call-in show like this is a lot of people will, will, will call in and chime in and say, hey, I know how to solve that. So if you have a question or if you have an answer, you are free and welcome to call in. This is your show. 
And uh, that's what makes it fun for all of us, and it makes it m- uh, much more effective. Um, I have, uh, well, you know, I want to tip my hat for just a second to WDEV and, and the great coverage they've done uh, for all this COVID-19 uh, 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 pandemic that we've been going through and it's been a real lifeline for me to to listen in and hear the governor talk and all the rest and so tip my hat to wdev for sure um and uh uh i want to say thanks to our sponsors when you're when you're listening in listen to those sponsors tell them that you heard their name on the radio show let them know that you appreciate it uh, that means uh, a lot more to them than you might think, and uh, it certainly means a lot to us. So, just to just to start out with, you know, to uh, to appreciate those sponsors that make it all possible. We're pretty lucky here in Vermont, and in, even in the Northeast uh, in general, to uh, to have so you know just to have such a vibrant farm community with so many foods available to us. And uh, but it's still you know even even in this situation, it does make you think twice about expanding your garden. I know my son and his girlfriend are are going to uh, do a little gardening at our place and a little gardening at their place, and they're starting out. And uh, we're, um, you know, they're bringing over garden garden boxes to make some beds, and and uh, that's uh, how it all starts out. I've, uh, I'll make this point, and you, those of you who have listened before, will recognize that uh, um, I I sort of run through what I call the garden basics, and that's a permanent bed, permanent pathways, perfect soil grid planting, trellises as much as possible, and succession planting. And if you do those things, you will certainly um, have a, a good start to growing the most possible in the smallest amount with the least amount of work. Gee, we got a call already, huh? Well, let's talk to Phil in Essex. How are you? Good, good. How about yourself? Good, so far. So far. So <laughs> good. What's that now? Uh, so far, so good. Yeah, good, good. Question is, where can you get a soil test done right now? Where can you get a soil test? Well, yeah. I, uh, you can go to, uh, uh, you know, we have two sponsors uh, at least that have soil tests uh, uh, available. You can go get a soil test kit. They aren't really too expensive, and you can, uh, you can, uh, yeah. If you want a, an in-depth, the the uh, university extension agency is does soil, soil oh, tests. I'm sure they're still. Um, you know, that's a good question. I'm not sure they're still open, but I think they are. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, uh, I was looking for somewhere to check that, the pH and stuff like that. I've tried those old color cats, but I yeah. have trouble with the colors. You, you didn't think that they were uh, accurate enough for you? Well, I just had trouble telling the colors. Oh. <laughs> yeah, reasonably close. Okay. All right. Well, it's it's uh but good for you to to start with a soil test. That's that's a great uh great way to start. Yeah, a little way should have done it last fall. But. Yeah, well, shoulda woulda coulda, you know. Uh there's no time like the present to go ahead and uh test your soil and uh it's true that some of the things uh that you'll put in this year 
will take a few months before the you know the activity of the soil the 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 moisture the water the all the little chemical reactions that break down those uh, those things that you put in um, right. what uh, what's your situation what's your garden like um, that's about probably 20 by 30 yeah bare ground right now it's been growing pretty good i mean the string beans and stuff like that do pretty good yeah yeah some of the tomatoes last year some did good others didn't i don't know if it was the variety or okay taking care of them quite right yeah yeah. it's sandy loose soil it drains well drains well yeah okay i got asparagus coming up really wow wow are you over by the lake or are you where are you no oh you're in essex yeah okay all right. It was funny. I planted some down one end of the yard about 15 years ago. Yeah. It took it probably five years before I even saw asparagus come up. Yeah, I know. It, I sometimes it seems like forever, right? Why do you even bother, But I planted that for roots. Now, what? another spot I picked about five years ago, and uh-huh. I started to plant some seed and put them next to the regular garden. Uh-huh, okay. Both of the ones are coming up already, and I had asparagus the first year. Wow. <laughs> I'll be darned. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Well, but it's sort of a rule of thumb that you can use for, you know, uh, is, and what I do, uh, of course, I do everything in a 4 by 4 bed. And right. uh, so I, this is the way I measure it out. I put a cup of lime, a cup of uh, fertilizer, a cup of uh, azomite, which is rock powder, any kind of rock powder, and and these are all things that that uh, uh, help to uh, bring out your your trace minerals and stuff. And then I also do a cup of sea kelp meal, and that's sort of a, a good balanced mix that you can rely on pretty much for year to year. And then in that four by four bed, I also put a um, uh, either a five gallon bucket or about one cubic foot of of compost. So these right. are things that I put in that soil each year just to get things started. Now, uh, the fertilizers, of course, just uh, gets things started. But, you know, for heavy feeders, whether it's cabbage or corn or, you know, anything that's a heavy feeder or even a high nitrogen feeder, well, you'll need to, you know, follow the instructions on the bag. You know, it's usually about every two weeks. Or you can use a foliar feed like... Um, uh, like uh, liquid uh, uh, fish fertilizer. Yeah, a lot of times I just, well, I, well, I've been doing the past couple years, I hill up around the row. Uh huh. Basically just flood it with water. Yeah. Let it sink in. Yeah, yeah, sure. A lot of times I'll just put the Miracle Girl feeder at the end of it. Yeah. Like that, too. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, of course... You feed it, you know, every few weeks or something like that. Not just water it normally, my brain do <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the the foliar feed is just a little bit different uh, in that uh, the the fish fertilizer is uh, is sort of like a booster, you know. Um, but anyway, you do it. Those are the basics, you know. Your soil test is is great. Uh, I'm just looking for the pH out of that. Right. Well, the, the pH should be fairly accurate. You said you were having trouble reading the strip or the colors. Oh, the or colors, yeah, matching them up and just you know making sure. Yeah. So you want to what? 
around six or seven for the most part. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, you know, the uh, n- the neutral so. zone. Um, you know, certain plants uh, like a little bit more acid or not, but, you know, uh, compost is the great neutralizer. You know, it, it basically, it feeds the soil and neutralizes the soil in, in such a great way that you just so can't you miss. something that's really well balanced to start with. To start with, yeah, yeah. About. Yeah, uh, the more you feed your soil, you know, with all with all of those things, and I use a, uh, you know, I use a, an organic fertilizer, which is, you know, a combination of, uh, you know, all kinds of manures and, you know, a, a pretty well balanced stuff. Uh, well, I was getting some from somebody. It came out of the methane digester. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get it in the ground quick. Quick, yeah, I know. It's sort of like fish fertilizer. Yeah, well, it, it's got its own smell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Phil, if you listen in next week, I'm going to double check to see uh, where, if if the extension service is still doing tests. I I think that one year they did stop, but I I also think that they started up again, so I don't know. I'll find out for you, though. So yeah, listen I, in I, next I, week, I and I'll let you know yeah. about a soil test. Okay, thanks. Okay, and I got uh, June from Morrisville. Hey, June. Gene. Gene? Well, gee, well, Gene, it's, I'm glad you called. <laughs> Where are you calling from, Gene? Um, and also of the corn bore in my corn. Yeah. And I can remember years ago when I was farming that if we planted corn after corn for several years, we had had a problem with insects. Yep. And at that time, uh, there was an insecticide that you could use in addition when you were planting. Uh, it, you could apply this insecticide right along on the planter. I can't remember what the name of it was, but yeah. wondering if there is an insecticide um, that I could use uh, to, to just broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. on the um, garden to try to uh, take care of those little individuals that like to mm. help. Well, I I think you pointed out probably the best solution to to that, and and this is a, a, a basic uh, basic tenet of of organic gardening, and is that that's crop rotation. Crop rotation is is a is a key uh, to keeping insects down. And whether it's your potato Colorado, Colorado potato beetle, or if it's your root magnets in your in your uh, broccoli, or any of those things that that come year after year, you know, you, you by just choosing a different spot, um, you know, grow your potatoes one year on one side and your corn on the other, you know, and just by rotation, you're gonna you're gonna uh, cut down the incident of of that uh, corn borer. Um, as far as uh, insecticides, you know, again, as an organic uh, gardener, um, I hesitate to to suggest you use a, uh, a like a Roundup or you know any of those insecticides that you use because um, you know they they're 
they're not healthy for the bugs and they're not healthy for all of the bugs, even the helpful ones. So you have to be really careful about that. And then also, you know, sometimes those insecticides can affect not only your health, but also the health of the birds and, and all that other stuff. Uh, having said that, you know, you you uh, you check out one of our sponsors, and they'll they'll help you find the the right one for the corn borer. But I know in the organic uh, um, insecticides uh, like neem oil and and uh, spinosad and um, all all of those uh, those are are effective. But you spray those, you know, at the at a point at a particular point in time when. Um, you see your first tassels start to come because that's when the corn borer will will head down in. Right. Okay. Right. So, and I, you know, there's a lot of home remedies. People suggest putting a drop of oil, but you know, to, <laughs> to going through a whole cornfield doing that sounds like it. It might not be worth it, but. Um, so you, you know, I would I would probably go for the neem oil first to try that, but make sure you time it right so that it's the right time. And it's also you know, even though you probably want to wear a face mask when you're spraying, um, it's not it's not like uh, you know a, a chemical f- uh, insecticide which can if it blows back it can make you sick. So um, so Gene, I just uh, have to say that would be my suggestion is to first off, you know, make sure you rotate your crops. That's a that's a key element. What about the tomato hornworm? Is there <laughs> the ugly tomato like hornworm? <laughs> well, uh, other the, than pick them when they yeah, no, that's number one. That's number one on my list. Is you you pick them? Um, you can watch for the moth. You know, and and there again, there are sprays that you can spray on your tomatoes that will, as they nibble away, will make them sick and they'll die. And uh, but they're they usually don't come until August, so you know it's like in July you have to prepare for the Japanese beetle. In August you need to prepare for the uh, the tomato hornworm, and then any time in from June through August you have to watch for the little moths on your on your broccoli, and uh, you know and spray the BT or the spinosad or any of those, and and th- that's just a part of the routine for uh, that a good gardener does you know you watch for those things um, again the the tomato hornworm is so easy to pick and drop in a bucket of soapy water that it's it you know I had three last year you know no no big deal uh, and you know it's like one of those things all of a sudden I thought I, I just look like what was that I just saw? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Hard to identify. I mean, hard to see in the yeah, plant. yeah. They got that black and yellow stripe on their back yeah. that sort of gives them away. And and I always say the best uh, the best protection for any garden is the gardener. You know, you yeah. got to keep your eye on 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 what's coming. You know. And uh, if there's a, t- they grow so quickly, and uh, uh, you know, you'll you'll spot them right away if you spend a little time in the garden. That would be my suggestion. But again, you can spray for them. Uh, I would suggest either the, I think it's what it's called, Jack, Captain Jack's, uh, uh, you know, dead bug is called, <laughs> and that's been as that. Uh, then uh, you know, and then the neem oil too. All of those will will. Uh, 
uh, uh, will kill the, uh, the the larvae there when they come. Right, right. So what else are you growing, Gene? You're growing corn and you're growing tomatoes. I'm growing the whole, you know, broccoli and spinach. Oh, yeah. And yeah. carrots and beans. And, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the whole the whole garden. Have you planted anything yet, any seeds? No, I haven't. Yeah. No, I have not. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't really been warm enough. <laughs> I mean, what, a little bit of snow scare you off, Gene? Come on. <laughs> I mean, our mornings for the last week have been 20 degrees. Yeah. I I made the mistake of trying to trying to get a jump on my onions, and, and uh, that 20-degree weather just knocked them right out. Oh. And, uh, and you know, uh, my philosophy, if you don't lose something at least once in a season, you're not planting early enough, so... <laughs> That's my first mistake. <laughs> well, I like to I like to wait until first, at least the first of May, and sometimes at the end of the first week in May yeah. before I even start yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. Well, you know, I actually have radishes that are up and arugula, and and some spinach is starting to poke its head up, and you know, we planted carrots and beets. Uh, you know, they're they'll they'll actually sprout in 40 degree uh, soil temperatures and it's uh that's the key temperature is is even though the air temperature is important for seeds it's the soil temperature that that's right. really important yeah. well good gene and uh thanks for calling i really appreciate that okay thank you all right take care and if you come up with something for that corn borer you let us know okay and uh, what have I done? I b- believe I have Richard Starksborough with us right now, if, uh, if all other things are equal. Rich, is that you? Yeah. Good, yeah. My goodness. Well, you're on the air with Peter. <laughs> hey, Rich. Hi, Peter. Welcome back. Well, thank you. And uh, aren't we lucky, huh, to be back in the garden season? Yeah, we've got a good, nice, beautiful day for your first show of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got some follow-up questions uh, regarding the first caller's conversation with you. Uh, the pH and the soil testing. Yeah, actually, the um, well, yeah. Let's talk about pH and soil testing. Um, if you make the perfect soil, yep, with the three parts of mm-hmm. uh, compost, fat, yep. peat, moss, yeah, and, and um, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, vermiculite. Yeah, and then you put your cup of azomite. You yep. put your cup of kelp meal. You put your cup of a cup of pro grow. Yep. And your cup of seaweed kelp. Yeah. Um, th- would that test normal at that point, that moment? It probably wouldn't test normal until or fall. Satisfactory because it uh, all of those things um, uh, all of those things take. Uh, uh, biological activity on them to break them down into stuff that's usable for the plant. Okay. And that's usually why people say to put them on in the in the fall because then it has a chance to over the the fall into oh, th- winter and even through spring to to break down. So uh, a lot of those things aren't fast acting. Now wood ashes are fairly fast acting when it comes to changing the pH. Um, it dissolves readily in water, but mm-hmm. e- even that, you probably wouldn't see an immediate, um, except for the soluble uh, fertile the NPK, the soluble NPK in the in that fertilizer, that you would see fairly quickly. Okay. 
but I'm, I'm talking about the spring. You're, you've got a, say you got a brand new four, four by four bed. Yep. And you're making your perfect soil to put in there, and you yep. put in those four, four cups of different things. Yeah, right. Is that, does that soil have a, when you're ready to, you know, start using it, Yep. That soil should be okay, right? Didn't you yeah. need to yeah. it? it should be good, yes. Okay. But, uh, you know, I, if you're doing a soil test right away, it, it may be questionable because, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why, you know, compost is so important in, 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 uh, in that mix. Okay. You know, uh, the compost is uh, pretty much available to your plants right away. Okay. Now, if you keep adding compost, you kind of, each year, yeah, like a pail full of compost. Yeah, you're talking five gallon pail. Yeah, um, doesn't that kind of dilute your vermiculite? Should you throw a little bit of new vermiculite in there too? Oh, you you could sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, if if it looks like it's not holding water or if it's getting, uh, I find that over you know a couple of years it tends to sort of. Um, it tends to sort of uh, uh, you know compact down even you know even if I'll um, even if I uh, uh, you know dig it up with a I usually um, use a fork to turn the soil not turn it but just lift it and aerate it and and that way uh, you know it aerates the soil to start out with but it will still compact a little bit you pull a little bit out with the roots of your you know when you go to compost them. Um, you know, all all of those things uh, will will sort of you know lower the level of the soil, so you have to fill back in a little bit. So okay. at that time, I would just uh, fill it with uh, peat moss and vermiculite from like a uh, you know, pro uh, pro mix or you know the premier brand pro mix or the LM Lamberts LM one or three, um, and those are just regular germination mixes. And so you add a little bit of that with your compost. And you know it'll come up to it'll come up to snuff pretty well. Are, are you seeing that your your beds are are going down a little bit? Yeah, they seem to go down each each year, but but when you fluff them up, they kind of raise up a little bit. They do, yeah, yeah. yeah. They raise up a little bit. Fluffing is a good thing. Don't, don't oh yeah, undisturbed. Uh, well. Unlike when you plow or when you dig, you're not really digging in and turning the soil over. What you're doing is, as you say, you're fluffing it up. And that would be, uh, you know, in a big garden, you would use what they call a broad fork. And a broad fork is, you know, either four or, or ten tines, you know, depending on the size of it. And, you know, it goes down about six, eight inches, and then you just pull it back, and it kind of fluffs up. And usually the tines are either round or sharp, uh, depending on what kind of soil you have. Uh, I use this, I just use a regular garden fork, and, you know, that, that does the job for me. And I'll just go through, go around that four-foot bed and, and just, uh, you know, dig it in step on it and then just pull back and that aerated enough and you know it's it's interesting to to tie into what you're talking about with fertilizers and stuff that the the fertilizers and the garden soil needs air uh, as well as water and access to those fertilizers and rock powders and all the rest in order to break them down and make them usable for the plants they're not you know, usable in the state that you throw them in there. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I okay. think so. Okay. Now, going back to what you're saying about the fall, is yep. so is the fall the best time to add the compost and and the 
four <laughs> cups of different, the three, the, the, four the, the four different things. Yeah, the four different things for sure, because then has those are, are going to take uh, biological activity in order to break them down. The compost, I usually add it in the spring when I'm emptying out my compost bins. Anyway, oh, okay. if I have compost bins in the in the fall, I usually use that for my uh, garlic. You know, I'll plant the the garlic and my fall planted spinach. I'll use it then. So. You know, as a general rule, before I plant, I add compost. So, um, okay. but but those things will break down more if you put them in in the fall. Mm-hmm. Suppose I didn't add those cups of four different things this past fall. Yeah, sure. Would it be okay to add them in the spring? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, no, there's no question about it. Yeah. Okay. And add them again in the fall. I would add them again in the fall. Okay. And then if you're doing a, a soil test, the only thing in that whole pile, you know, all four cups of those things, the only thing that you get, can get too much of is the lime. You might get, you, know, you might start to, you know, tip the scale towards being too alkaline. So that's where the, the soil test comes in. Now in Vermont, our soil is pretty acidic, generally speaking. And so you can kind of use your, the, the gardener's eye, you know, if you see, if you notice in some of your beds, as a matter of fact, I, I just went through this uh, uh, yesterday. In a couple of my beds, I noticed there was mold growing from over the winter. And I mean moss, not mold, moss, you know, and you'll see a couple little clumps, particularly towards the edges of the bed or, you know, and that's, that's fine in my garden paths. It doesn't bother me, but in my bed, that tells me a story that I need to add lime. You know, I'm, I'm running a little acidic because uh, moss likes an acidic uh, soil. So, you know, um, that's, that's sort of one of those things that um, tells you you've got, you know, you've got to make an adjustment there. And in that case, you might want to use um, um, your wood ashes, clean wood ashes or wood ashes with charcoal in it. Or some lime. Or some lime, yeah. yeah. So, um, we've got some moss in some of our beds. Yeah, so that's, you know, that gives you, um, you know, uh, a hint, yep. you know, that you right. you really do need that lime and you might want to, you know, you know, go ahead and test it and find out how much to, to put in there, but at least do the one cup, that's for sure. Which okay. of those four different cups can you side dress with? I know you can do ProGrow, GrowPro, whichever it is. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, that, that, if you read the bag, it'll suggest that for most of your, most of your garden uh, uh, vegetables, you want to side dress with a, um, uh, a little bit every two weeks. How about and, the seaweed meal and the azimut? No, the seaweed meal and the azimut, you don't need to side dress. They're, they're, of, um, they're soil conditioners, and it's just like something like a green sand or, you know, I- any of those soil conditioners, those, are, those aren't uh, really necessary to side dress with. They're, they're not a fertilizer per se. Okay. Okay? Yeah, thanks a lot. Sure thing. Anytime. Glad you're back. Good to hear you, Rich. And we've got Nancy from Morrisville. Online, Nancy, you still there? Yes, I am. Hey, welcome to In the Garden. Thank you. Hello, and uh, thank you very much for presenting this. Sure. Uh, yeah. I can't garden where I live. Yeah. But I'm going to be on the committee that's just starting to plan for the beds at the um, recovery center where I participate. Oh, super. So yeah, that's great. My first year doing that, I know that they had it planted last year. Yeah. Uh, 
So I've got to factor in people of various abilities, people with various opinions. Um, <laughs> a couple of things that I'm looking at for basic starting. Um, yeah. I think the soil's pretty good. We have a composter barrel over there. So uh-huh. I don't know that we're going to need to get a lot of stuff in general. Um, I'm curious, though, um, what are the easiest basic vegetables and herbs to grow from seed? Which would be the smarter ones to go to a garden center and buy, you know, a six-pack or something? Okay, yeah, sure. Okay, um, uh, you got a pencil with you? I do indeed. <laughs> okay, um, I just so happen to have a list of stuff that you can you can plant right now from seed. Really? And, yeah, yeah. You're talking uh, about, but you're talking about planting in a, a planter tray set inside, right? Nope, uh, right out there in the garden. If the if your soil is ready and and all the rest, uh, these things that I'm going to tell you, they the seeds will sprout at 40 degrees, and our soil okay. temperature is pretty close to that right now. Um, I have radishes that are up. Uh, I have arugula that's up. I have some spinach that's just starting to to sprout, um, and those like the um, like the cold temperature. Matter of fact, they grow best in cold temperatures. Right. Okay. Um, uh, one of your your important food crops would be peas. You want to get those in, uh, and um, I always tell people that you you know you. Don't get discouraged if your peas don't come up. Uh, just plant them again, and you know you do, you don't always get success in the beginning. And it may not be because it's too cold. It could be too wet and cold, or it could be not wet enough and cold. But things like peas will will come up. You know you can plant them. You can plant them now. That's and exciting. yeah, and you're you're planting seeds, so they're down a couple inches. Uh, unless we get a really, really, I mean, a really hard frost. We did have 20 degrees, and that knocked out my onions. Uh, but you know, I'll replant them. That's not a big deal. Uh, but the uh, like I said, the the radishes are up, and that's a good salad vegetables. Uh, um, arugula is great, spicy. Uh, lettuce will uh, sprout in in cold weather. Uh, kale will sprout in cold weather. Yeah. Um, and then uh, some of the there there you have to be careful because not all broccoli seeds are created equal. There's one that's called a sprouting broccoli and the name of that one is the calabrese now you you may not find that at the the local store but uh, just as an example uh, certain ones uh like the calabrese and that that grows quickly and it'll it'll um it's called a sprouting broccoli so uh, i think uh, high mowing has a sprouting broccoli that you could plant now now you're not going to get big heads but you are going to get some delicious uh, gourmet greens to 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 use in any way you use broccoli usually for cooking or or even raw salads or whatever so, um, but that's a good start. Uh, one of the other ones, of course, is some of the um, uh, uh, are the 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 founder of in the garden. Uh, uh, Ed Smith used to plant uh, uh, Claytonia. They called Claytonia, sometimes called miner's lettuce, or um, mache, M A C H E. Okay, that's called called corn salad. All of these things thrive in the cold. 
okay, that they like the cold. And so that's what you want to focus on for early planting. Um, your sets, uh, again, you, you know, or your potatoes, you want to wait. Uh, well, you're in Morrisville, so you're pretty cold just like me. Uh, you want to wait till maybe that second second week in, in May or, or somewhere between the first and second week in May before you plant um, uh, you know, lettuce sets and, you know, broccoli sets and those kinds of things. Now, all the rest of them, the things that you want to buy, the sets that you want to buy, of course, are your, your warm weather um, tomatoes. That's the first one that comes to mind. Um, but all of those are, are planted uh, uh, Memorial Day. You know, that's uh, your last frost-free day. So now, um, and don't rush in to plant uh, things like your squashes, um, your cucumbers and your zucchini and those kinds of things. You might want to wait till the first week in, in June, unless it's been a really warm May. Uh, you know, you might want to wait a little bit till it's a little warmer, you know, after Memorial Day. So you can split up some of that planting. You're not doing all of it at once. Um, the uh, things like uh, peppers and eggplants are difficult to grow in our in in our uh, uh, season here. Uh, if the closer you are to the lake, probably the better you can do. And the reason for that is not so much the daytime temperatures, but the nighttime temperatures during the summer. So if you're and and most of your gardeners will say, "Oh, I want to grow tomatoes and eggplants and peppers," right? So just to let you know that uh, if the temperatures, the nighttime temperatures in your area go below 50 degrees or even 55 degrees, um, your peppers will set, your eggplants will set a, a flower, but they won't fruit. And so I, I've experienced that myself. And so in those cases, you have to make a, like a hoop house. So you give it a miniature climate, a mini climate. Uh, tomatoes, not so much. Um, I would encourage your your gardeners to do either saladette small tomatoes you know small size tomatoes uh the jet star works really well um and stay away from the those big brandy wines and stuff because uh you won't pick those until sometime in september and most of the ones you pick are going to be green so you want to focus on things that you're going to get right away like your cherry tomatoes absolutely wonderful good for salads you can even cut them up and put them in a sandwich which all those things. Um, and I would focus on those type of tomatoes and not so much your big ones. I know everybody sort of gets um, uh, overexcited and bug-eyed over, over a Brandywine tomato. You know, the song uh, that Jack played for us, you know, True Love and Homegrown Tomatoes, right? Yeah. So um, I would focus on those those kinds of tomatoes that, that are easy to grow uh, they mature early, they mature um, in succession, and you'll have them, you know, from July right on through September, and they will grow eight feet tall, so make sure you have a good trellis for those guys. Um, you know, the, that's sort of a, a primer. Uh, what else are you thinking of? Um, interesting. I Years ago, we grew brandy wines, yeah. and yeah. a favorite of... Um, for, for my cherry tomatoes is the sweet 100. Oh yeah. Absolutely. They are prolific and delicious. Yeah. So I'm yeah. hoping to find some of that. Oh yeah, you will. You will. And the sun golds, those are, that's another one. Yeah. That's a real favorite. People just love that orange tomato and they're like eating candy for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. This is really helpful. Oh, good. Um, good. How about companion plants? Marigolds help with some bugs. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I I have seen a few cases where companion plants really make a difference. And one was uh, the celery right near my peas uh, really didn't grow well. Um, but that's the only thing that I've ever seen that seemed to be important. Now, I just want to emphasize that companion planting is probably more important for your monocrops if you're growing a large bed of something and a large bed of something else. In a garden, you know, my peas are not very far away from my tomatoes. My carrots are pretty close to my, you know, all those things. Uh, you know, I it's not something you need to emphasize nearly as much as rotation. Rotation. Rotation is really more, much more important than companion plants. Um, you know, you you really do not want to grow your tomatoes and your broccoli and and the coal family in the same place every year. Now that I would say is real important. Ah, good to know. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, uh, one thing about frost, um, we will have something that we can cover the plants mm -hmm. if there's a risk. Mm -hmm. uh, am I correct in my understanding that the the problem with frost is ice crystals on the delicate leaves? Yeah. Okay, so that's more a factor than the actual cold temperature, in that yeah. some plants will withstand the temperature so long as they don't have ice crystals on their leaves. Well, the solution to frost is just simply don't plant things that are frost uh, sensitive. You know, frost hardy stuff, you know, um, your lettuces, your radishes, your spinach, plant those. And then wait until you, you know you've got your last frost to plant everything else. You know, again, there's not a big hurry. I mean, if you really, really want that first tomato, if if there's a $100 bet out there and everybody wants it, well, then you're going to have to be serious about, you know, frost protection. But not only frost protection is some form of heat. And, you know, uh, I just leave that in the hands of those absolutely wonderful farmers that we have in Vermont who have these wonderful greenhouses and they keep everything alive right up until Memorial Day. So I would rely on them for that frost protection and not try to try to do it on a small scale with with inexperienced gardeners. I would just stay away from it. Wow. That that's okay. my opinion. I I want you to succeed more than anything. And honestly, losing something to frost is so discouraging that some people just walk away and say I can't garden. You know, so uh just plant those things that are frost, you know, hardy that 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 like to grow in the cold and wait on the other ones. You you're not going to hurry the season. And even if you manage to protect them from the cold, right? The your tomatoes and all the and those other things, it's not going to help them to get in early because the cold will set them back some. So, right. you know, leave the uh, leave the the protection to the professionals and just grow stuff that you know is going to do well. That way you're going to have successful gardeners in that community garden and and they're going to feel a lot better uh, uh, about it anyway. Wow, this has been terrific. <laughs> I don't have other questions right now. I'll be here next week. You call anytime you <laughs> you want, Nancy. You're more than welcome. <laughs> okay, well, thank you guys, and welcome back to the program. Yeah, thanks. Yep.
Uh, just to sort of run through the the bay. Oh, we have uh, we have Bill from Waterbury. Okay, is he's up next, and then we got Nola. Okay, great. Hey, Bill, how are you? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> good, good, good. Great day. Uh, just a really quick question. Um, a few years ago, we graduated from growing uh, gardens in the ground to uh, you know raised beds. Yeah. Um, and. You know, we were old-fashioned, you know, rototill everything in the spring. Yep. So I'm, I'm yep. trying to understand how much turning over of the soil do we need to do at all, frankly. Um, uh, honestly, the, the only need is to is to clear off the the top of the soil of, of you know, rake off the, uh, the leaves and whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, that's the only real need. Um, I'd like to go ahead and just fork it, you know, and use a use a fork just to aerate a little bit. But that's yeah. that's not essential. So, um, I mean, I don't have to take a spade and dig it up and oh no, um, and nope. really move it around. Just kind nope. of a hand tool, a hand rake, and a hand spade is all you need. Okay. And uh, you know, you can the uh, the perennial potatoes, uh, you know, the rocks that come up through. Yeah. <laughs> you you can see those with a rake. Um, you know, f- forking it with a with a uh, a garden fork is is uh, helpful to you know to loosen the soil up, particularly if you're planting like a a big root crop like a um, daikon radish or or potatoes or something yeah. that you know okay. is going to be planted deep and i don't have to worry about the fine roots and stuff that is nope in nope. from last year nope those are those all add to the um uh to the uh to the the humus you know they break down the roots break down no i mean i do pull my my broccoli stalks up and shake out the roots and those, I'll, um, I throw those ones over the bank, or you can compost yeah. if you want to. But, um, yeah, we don't have too much. Like, I mean, we grow, uh, you know, the root crops we grow are beets and carrots generally. And, yeah, and, yeah. Know, lettuce and yeah. spinach and peas and things like that. So we yeah. don't have to do a whole lot of turning everything over there. That's great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, great. Okay, thank you very much. I can't much. tell you how many times I visited the chiropractor after I used my rototiller. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, I like the hand rake a lot. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you very much. Yeah, sure thing, Bill. Anything. And we got Nola here? All right. <laughs> I hey. have... Um uh, a little niblet of information about soil testing. I oh, great. soil to UVM back in March. Got it back last week, and there were people there last week. Oh. So if the person who called is still hanging out, I do have a phone number for them. Oh, super. Go ahead, and, I'll, and if um, not, I'll, I'll repeat it next week, too. Okay, so 802-656-3030. Yep. Uh-huh. Three zero three zero. Three zero three zero. And then, and who is this? What is this for? UVM extension. Um. Here, here's the address I've got. I don't know what all these letters mean. University of Vermont Ag. And then below that, we had A E T L U V M. Yeah. Means, and then room two sixty two. Okay. Jeffords Hall. Oh yeah, Jeffords. Wow. Okay. 63 Terrigan Drive. Yep. Burlington. Super, super. Thank you so much, Noel. I do appreciate that. Yeah, well, uh, like I said, a week ago there were voices there, and they were helpful voices. So okay. hopefully there's still helpful voices. Ah, uh, well, I'll, I'll do a little exploration here and, and find out, and Noel. I so much appreciate that. That's a, that's a big. Uh, 
a big help. So, do you have time for a little story and a little frost? Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, I have one other caller on on the on the hook here, but so um, there's no Red Sox baseball game coming up after the show. So, you know, <laughs> Joel, cool. she knows so you just, too well, doesn't she? <laughs> I know it well. um, so I got started in my greenhouse on March second, which, uh-huh. as all of you know, mm-hmm. is. Dr. Seuss's birthday. <laughs> and that's when I try to start every year. There were huge piles of, you know, we had about three feet of snow on the ground. Oh, yeah. And I finished round one of planting, as you all know, on Robert Frost's birthday, which is March 26th. <laughs> right now, on April 25th, that greenhouse is just so full of greens. Um, I started harvesting two weeks ago. So I was in the greenhouse on Thursday harvesting for the Middlebury Co-op, mm-hmm. me and my basket and my sharp little red knife, mm-hmm. and thumb and forefinger on a little bunch of greens. Yeah, yeah. And my thumb and forefinger went in, and instead of feeling greens, they felt something very soft and squishy. Uh-oh. And my initial thought was, oh my God, it's a <laughs> giant slug! <laughs> But instead of squeezing, thank goodness, I opened up that spot of greens, and there, I'm sure feeling very, very violated, was an incredible yellow-spotted black salamander. Oh, oh, aren't you lucky? Aren't I lucky? Yeah. I I was almost crying. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bother you. (laughs) And I, I let him be, and a few, I don't know, 15 minutes later, I went and checked, and he had his way back down. Oh, that's great. So what, there's more to gardening than just weeds. And boy, stuff. boy, yes, yes, and you say it so well, Nola, thank you. That's a gift. So if you want a frost poem, and then I'll get out of the way, okay. you tell me yep. it's a short one, it's the one I share with everybody every year, and okay. I think more so this year than ever before. So this one's called Putting in the Seed, mm-hmm. and it begins, You come to fetch me from my work tonight when supper's on the table, and we'll see if I can leave off from burying the soft white petals fallen from the apple tree. Soft petals? Yes, but not so barren quite, mingled with these smooth bean and wrinkled pea. And go along with you ere you lose sight of what you came for and become like me. Slave to the springtime, passion for the earth, how love burns through the pudding in the seed. And on through the watching for the early birth, when just as the soil tarnishes with weed, a sturdy seedling with arched body comes, shouldering its way and shedding the earth crumbs. I say we need to all be sturdy seedlings these days, so let's shed the yucky crumbs and keep on living. Yeah. Slave to the spread the passion, right? Slave to the springtime passion for Absolutely. the earth. Isn't that what it is? Oh, it's it is. exactly you like that. Yourself. Well, Nola, again, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, we have another caller, so I'm going to head right on. We'll talk you to do. you next week. I bet you will. Thank all right. Bye bye. Yeah, bye bye. And we have Dick in Waterbury. All right, Dick, are you there? I'm here, Peter. Welcome uh, back. Well, thank you. Welcome to the In the Garden. <laughs> Happy spring and snow tomorrow, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what would it be like if we didn't have That's that? Right. Hey, I'm I'm trying to get more and more into heirloom seeds so I can save uh-huh. my own seeds. Sure. Um, last year, I was able to do eggplant, cucumbers, some tomatoes, uh, peppers, 
Um, and this year I, I have bought some um, onion seed so I can start saving my own seed. Wow. Um, but my yellow onion seeds came up perfectly well. Yeah. Uh, the red onions, and I, uh, I read Ed Smith's book, and I searched and searched and searched for a red onion seed that he had recommended, uh-huh. and I'll be, I could not find that seed anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I did buy some red seeds, Yeah. and there was like 250 seeds in a package, and I got 13 of them that germinated. Oh, boy. So I don't know, am I doing something wrong? Probably I mean, not. Probably not. Uh, and I would, uh, I don't know if where you got the seeds, but I, I might just email them and complain a little bit because that, that's about as bad germination as you could hope for, uh, yeah. or not hope yeah. for. Um, I, I had one, it was, a it was, a uh, 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 what was it called? Uh, Waldman, uh, lettuce. And I planted uh, the packet, and out of that packet, I only had one come up. Every other lettuce seed that I planted, I planted 72 with about six different varieties of lettuces. And that one, it was just, it it just didn't come up. Nothing, you know, except for the one. There was one out of, uh, would it be 12, uh, maybe 20 seeds came up, so. Yeah. Well, I'm obviously really babying the ones that came up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll bet. Uh, so I can hopefully get them planted and get some seeds well, out of them. When, uh, if you check some of your, uh, you know, uh, like Agway and Blue Seals, they do sell um, the uh, the onion sets. You know the little bulblets, but yep. sometimes some of them actually sell the little live plants too. Okay. And so, um, and then uh, I think uh, you know Kate Farm. They they do that sale every. Uh, they advertise. I don't know if they've started advertising yet, but um, and they you can grab a um, a handful of of sets to start with. And mm-hmm. and um, just to go back to to Ed's book and and the name is that you will see that. Uh, that the same seed, it's it's the rose by a different name. That's all it is. And what you want to look at is is what were the particular qualities of the that particular red onion that that uh, seemed good to you, and then just try to find it in a, in another catalog or another seed bin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there there really aren't too too many kinds of onions the main thing you have to look for is something that's a long day um, right right yeah, and 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 that probably any of the seed bins that are the seed racks that are here wouldn't have anything but a long day mm-hmm. but that's something you do want to check um now can you from a bulb I, and i actually picked up some some um you know, on your red onion sets today from Agway. Oh yeah, good. Uh, there you go. Can I save any of those seeds, or have they been treated to the point where you really can't? Well, no. They, I wouldn't say they've been treated. The only thing is that they may well be a hybrid, and okay. so um, it will revert back to you know one of the the two varieties, and that may be just fine for you, and mm-hmm. it it may may not be. So. Um, uh, I, 
if you really want an heirloom seed. Uh, have you ever tried out the, the uh, what's it called, the uh, Bakersfield uh, catalog? Uh, no. They're, I think they're, they're called like rareseeds.com. And everything that they have there is an heirloom. I also know High Mowing has some heirloom reds. And I, I, I actually, I'm not sure whether they have heirloom uh, onions or not. I'd have yeah. to check that out. And then, uh, uh, again, Johnny's, they have, uh, they have some heirlooms. But they're pretty well marked, and they'll, they'll let you know which ones are. Now, for my um, eggplant, which I saved my own seeds, and I, again, I'm <laughs> God bless you. That's great. Now, um, they were, they're very slow to germinate. So yeah. what I have done now this morning uh-huh. is actually take a damp paper towel, uh, put some seeds in there, put them in a Ziploc bag, see if I can't kind of yeah. force them to germinate yeah. a little better. Well, the the other thing you can try is seeds, all seeds that will sprout at 40 degrees usually sprout a little bit better at, at 60 or 70 degrees. So if you have a, a heat mat, just slide that under your, under your, um, uh, under the, the cells, the, you know, the planting tray. Yeah, what, and, what I do is to take like a, one of those plastic. Uh, plastic uh, little muffin containers. Yep. Uh, put them in there. You close the cover and create its own little greenhouse. And yeah, I sure. Set that on top of my furnace, which keeps yeah. it warm. There you go. And yeah. I didn't, I didn't think maybe it's too warm. Well, I wouldn't leave them there. Once right, they right. once they pop up, you want to make sure you cool them off. Exactly. Because yep. that 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 certain things uh, will actually grow too fast if you keep yep. that much heat on them, like uh, broccoli. Now, if if on the seeds that I save myself, uh-huh. they didn't get, um, if I didn't leave them there to fully ripen, yeah. um, if they still germinate now, will I still get a viable crop out of them? Oh, yeah, sure. If they grow, you okay. get a viable crop. There's no question about that. Okay. Um, but um, when you say they didn't ripen, how come they didn't ripen? Or are you well, sure they... I, I, I may have, like, pulled a tomato plant off, you know, a little bit early or a eggplant off a little early. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I didn't maybe let, of course, my cucumbers I haven't started yet, but uh-huh. um, yeah, maybe I didn't it. let the cucumber on the vine ripen fully enough for the seeds to become viable. Mm, mm. Well, you know, uh, seed saving is an art for sure. You yeah. know, and so you're going to have to just experiment with stuff until you know for sure. Right, um, right. The you know there's there are there's lots of pollen in the air, and it can be tough to get a true to you know type um, uh, heirloom seed without you know without it having so you know you want to you want to uh, check out a book or something about how to protect the flower from being pollinated by you know something that's wild. Mm-hmm. So okay, all right. All right, it's all fun. Okay, buddy. Thanks for the call. All right. All right, we'll talk to you next week. And uh, (laughs) this hour has gone so fast, I can't hardly believe that we're we are finishing up. But anyway, uh, the uh, 
I think what I'll plan to do next week is to go ahead and go through the, the garden basics one more time where we talk about um, the uh, permitted beds, permitted pathways, perfect soil, um, grid planting, trellises, and uh, succession planting. Uh, we'll just review that for for some of the folks that, that are uh, new. Um, you can listen to these. I think they're still doing the podcast. You can also um, uh, ask questions of um, uh, if you want to send in a, a question and uh, let's see then of course call in with a question that worked too I think it's was it in the garden at Radio Vermont I think that's what it that is that would be yeah. a good guess that, yeah that it yeah. is a guess this yeah I, I have to apologize I just realized yeah. I was saying that I was like man I can't remember what that email is I'll have to check that out <laughs> Well, if that doesn't work, uh, well, I, no, I don't even have an email here. So. Yeah. Well, if that doesn't work, you can just so, yeah. call. You can call the office and say, "Hey, I have this question." Well, and I'm they, sure that they told me that when I started, if I was going to stay, I would have an email. That was thirty what thirty four years. <laughs> so I guess the question is, that decision is still yet to be made. It's yeah. yet to be made. Uh, all right. Well, we'll we'll do that, and uh, of course, it's uh, a for me uh, um, uh, just a. a uh, so much fun having to to um, talk about the garden again. And I am going to head home, and we've got a bunch of beds uh, to replace the boxes. And uh, when my son and his girlfriend, uh, Yana, are going to um, uh, uh, be planting, uh, oh, I don't know, was it 15, maybe, maybe more uh, boxes of uh, garden vegetables. So come along for the ride, and we'll talk about it uh, again next week. Okay. And we'll see you. Yes, in the garden. Indeed. (laughs) Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. In the Garden today has been brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. These Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street in Waitsfield. Groton's Big Country Hardware, your authorized Cub Cadet dealer in Bridport. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you on Main Street in Colchester. Your locally owned Montpelier Agway, East Montpelier Road. Thomas Farm and Garden on the Barry Montpelier Road. Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston and St. Albans. By PR Lumber, family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch and compost you need. Route 15 in Walkett. And by the Willie's Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. In the Garden, Peter will see you again next week here on WDEV.